Hello everyone, welcome to the Roots and Bloom podcast, the podcast encouraging self-reflection as a tool for growth and flourishing. I'm your host, Sarah Lisak, and thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. Imagine you only had a year left to live. What would you choose to do with it? Now imagine you have a day left, an hour left. What would you do? This is the question that Mary Oliver asks us at the end of her poem, The Summer Day. It's a beautiful poem in its entirety, but I'll only quote the last two lines here. She writes, Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I love the way she describes life here as something that is wild and precious. Wild brings visions of the untamed and uncontrolled, of charting the unknown and what is natural and just allowed to be. Precious reminds us of what is rare, valuable and loved. I wonder how often we think of our lives in this way. Do you think of yourself or your life as wild and precious? It feels like a cheesy question to ask and answer. Placing an appropriate value on life and importantly a life well lived doesn't seem to be something that is consistently or actively encouraged, oftentimes by our employers or governments. If anything, trying to centre the preciousness of humanity feels like an unhelpful distraction from maintaining the daily run of things and the need to keep going and stay afloat. After all, there are bills to be paid, deadlines to be met, emails to be responded to and all the other things that need to be done just to get by. Even being able to spend meaningful time with the loved ones or taking proper time out to rest can feel like time we just don't have or time that is just preparing us to face that endless list of life admin. I've definitely been in cycles of feeling like I just need to get through this week or this month and then when everything comes down, I'll be able to catch my breath. But even if I experience an element of release, that feeling is only ever temporary there's always something else. I think it contributes to a feeling of never-enoughness and generally raises levels of stress and anxiety. There's an important point to be made here about the role of capitalism and industrialization in shaping time and personhood. Time is something we are encouraged to get the most out of, where getting the most out of time is trying to fill it with as much as possible, which requires us to be as efficient and productive as we can be. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, this way of being creeps into the very things that are meant to be enjoyable in life. But a poem like The Summer Day calls us to recognise the most important of our relationships with time. That one day, we will return to dust. That this is our one wild and precious life. In this context... Using time well is intimately connected to the fact of our own mortality and the uncertainty of knowing when our time to go will be. And it's in facing this fact that we realise another truth, that even in death, the only certainty of life, we have no control. And then we realise, as the pandemic has shown us all too clearly, that really we don't control much at all. Trying to accept the lack of control in how my own life is unfolding is something I've really had to come to terms with since deciding to become an actor. Acting follows life in that you really don't know what is round the corner, 
People ask me, what have you got coming up? And I say, I don't know. You know, in the arts, it's possible to do all the right things and for those actions to not pay off for years. But it's also possible that you could be in just the right place at just the right time and a door opens that changes the course of your life forever. In a recent interview, one of my favourite actors, Mahershala Ali, spoke about having his first role as a leading man 20 years into his career. And this is after winning two Oscars. The interviewers were shocked that he was only just reaching this point in his career, and one asked how he managed to wait for all that time. Mahershala replied using a sports analogy, saying, When you know you're seventh or eighth on the bench, but you believe you have the capacity to start, you've just got to keep showing up and do your job and prove that you're worthy of more minutes. The arts are a funny thing because there are a lot of factors involved. For a better word, it can be political. And so you've just got to keep doing what you're doing, keep your head down and do the best work that you can and just try to keep growing. Ultimately, I think it comes down to a balance between agency and control. And it's been a tough balance to strike as the Virgo in me really wants to have control. I just want to have the ability to produce a particular outcome. I want to have certainty in knowing if I do X, then Y will happen. But eventually I realised this was making me kind of unhappy. I even began to question what the point of trying was if it felt like my efforts were just going out into the ether and I wasn't making the kind of progress I wanted to see. And this is where considering our idea of time comes up again. How we see time is an important factor in how our actions are shaped. A core tenet in Western thought about progress is seeing time as linear and therefore seeing our inputs and outputs as going neatly from A to B. So it can become jarring when you realise that isn't how life works. It's like when you leave school or university. You and your peers have progressed through shared milestones pretty much at the same time. There's a level of assurance that comes with knowing you'll all take your A-levels together and go to university together and graduate at the same time. And then, over the years, paths diverge and you realise that the neatness of the education system was really a mask for the reality of life. That life cannot be governed by neat formulas and that anything can happen at any time. Agency, unlike control, is more centred in the ability to take action. It's about what is in my power rather than focusing on how I can achieve a particular outcome. Control is attempting to end game a situation. It's thinking, this is how things have to happen in order for me to reach where I want to get to. And in a way, control is a form of denial. It suggests that we have more ability to exert our will and dominate forces far beyond us. Agency, though, is about accepting the journey, its twists and obstacles and unexpectedness, and being open to how things will unfold. It's incomprehensible for us to imagine all of the possible ways our life can play out. And when we do begin to really acknowledge this, it can become quite overwhelming. I've definitely noticed when I try to approach decisions by working backwards from the end I seek and try to connect the dots, I get so anxious about whether I'm making the right choice and whether I could make a better one. 
Now, of course, it's important to use an element of judgment because if we think about this as a scale, there definitely are aspects of our lives that are easier to plan in this way. For example, if I'm trying to save a particular amount of money by a certain time, it does make sense to work out what that requires of me on a monthly or weekly basis. But for other aspirations, particularly those that at the heart have a question like, when will this happen for me? Or when will this dream come true? It becomes so important to trust our agency in the decisions we make in the present moment and trust that these are enough to lay down a step in the right direction. Trying to approach decisions in this way has encouraged me to move away from needing to find the right choice. Because really, how can we know what the right choice is in any objective kind of way? There are just decisions. And the right decision, I've come to accept, is whatever is best for me at that moment. So if we shift from control and the idea of linear progress to a focus on agency and process, what does this mean for how we see ourselves? In the former, we might see ourselves as machines or cogs in a machine putting in inputs to get predictable outputs. What view of personhood then does the shift to agency encourage? Reading Rainer Maria Rilke, the 19th century Austrian poet and novelist, really opened my eyes here. In the book Letters to a Young Poet, Rilke is in correspondence to a young army cadet who writes to him initially for an assessment of his amateur poetry. But what emerges over the course of 10 letters are deeply powerful meditations on the importance of solitude, the nature of art and criticism, and learning to listen to yourself. In relation to what it takes to be an artist, a letter dated 23rd of April 1903, Rilke writes, These things cannot be measured by time. A year has no meaning, and ten years are nothing. To be an artist means not to calculate and count, to grow and ripen like a tree which does not hurry the flow of its sap and stands at ease in the spring gales without fearing that no summer may follow. It will come, but it comes only to those who are patient, who are simply there in their vast, quiet tranquillity, as if eternity lay before them. It is a lesson I learn every day amid hardships I am thankful for. Patience is all. And though Rilke here is specifically talking about the makers of art, are we not all artists of our lives, each with a canvas painted with our story? Rilke asks us to exchange counting, measuring and predicting, to trust in the natural cycles of life. He asks us to see the beauty in mystery and to develop faith by trusting that everything will be all right. Rilke reminds us that we live with time in the same way a tree does. We follow a natural rhythm. We cannot stand outside of this flow or bend it to our will. We can only be with it. And just being is probably one of the hardest things to do in a world structured so much around output and doing. But it's still worth asking the questions and uncovering what is personally meaningful to us. What kind of person would you like to be? What would you like your life to be a testament to? What will you choose to do with your one wild and precious life?
This episode's words for the week comes from a poem I wrote last year called Today You Have This At Least. Complacency lies with me in bed. We nestle under my quilt like a bedtime story to the ears of a child. Complacency fills my dreams with pastel clouds and stardust and happy endings. Complacency tells me I will wake up tomorrow and the next day and the next. It will tell me that the life I have planted with seeds of people and things I hold close will remain a heaven on earth. When I wake up, ask me what I have. You will find I disappear. Really, I have no possessions and even this body is borrowed. I find my breath surprising. There is just the rhythm of my heart. I am alive today and did not expect to be. I am alive today and did not expect to be. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great if you could subscribe, share and leave a review or rating. Otherwise, until next week. Goodbye.